Well, that was some uh, short-lived Sooner basketball jubilation, right? Last night was not pretty. I am watching that game, and I'm thinking, you know, it's like Slim Pickens in uh, Blazing Saddles back in the day. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? I'll tell you what was going on. It was a bedlam beatdown by the Cowboys last night, Parker Thune. I mean, first TV timeout, you're down 10-2, to 2, and you're kind of thinking, man, this this – could this be over already? And coming off the masterpiece performance, the magnum opus performance, the greatest victory of the Porter Moser era, Sooner basketball, you've got momentum, you've got the LNC packed out, and the Cowboys deliver OU a bedlam beatdown. Well, we talked about it on Monday, Steely. The game that they played against Alabama over the weekend was, by definition, unsustainable. We were not going to see a performance like that again from Oklahoma on this particular evening, or probably for the rest of the season. It was kind of the perfect storm when the Sooners hosted the Crimson Tide on Saturday afternoon. So, obviously, we weren't going to see the Sooners shoot the ball as well or rebound as well or do anything quite as well as they did against Alabama because there was arguably no flaw in their performance when the Crimson Tide came to town. But little would anyone have guessed that this team was going to come crash landing to earth the way that they did in front of 15,000 fans at the Lloyd Noble Center last night. I mean, they're an enigma of a basketball team, Steely. To lose by 27 to TCU, turn around and beat Alabama by 24, and then drop the game in the fashion they did to a stunningly mediocre Oklahoma State team last night, I don't know what to make of this basketball program anymore. Yeah, and and I think a lot of Sooner fans feel that way, Parker. And, you know, you look at, you can't discount what they did against Alabama. It was spectacular. It was a total beatdown of uh, a really good team, again, on national television. But, you know, they went from the Fabergé egg to the rotten egg, you know, last night against Oklahoma State. It was ugly. Cowboys win 71-61. Oklahoma State has won six of the last seven in this series. And really – that game wasn't anywhere close to 71-61. to 61. You really felt like after a point that Oklahoma State was in complete command, dominated from the opening tip. In fact, you know, the Lloyd Noble Center was packed to the rafters last night, but it was taken over by Oklahoma State fans, you know, late in the second half because Sooner fans had seen enough. They're like, all right, this is it. And uh, the Cowboy fans took over, and Oklahoma State wins the game 71-61. to 61. Uh, Porter Moser last night said that OSU's bigs were a big problem last night. Didn't really have an answer for Boone or Cisse. Um, first play of the game, we trapped and we missed an assignment. Uh, on the very first play of the game, he spun around the trap and get it to the, the man on the block. Um, and then we went one-on-one and he scored. Uh, Cisse came in and was knocking down mid-range shots, was rolling behind our post. Just no answer for Cisse and Boone. Um, I thought those two, um, their length and athleticism getting behind on the rolls, um, they start hitting the pocket shots, Boone's one-on-one, you know, 16 for 20 between the two. Uh, 36 points between their five men. Their, their athleticism and length between those spots. Um, I thought I thought those, you know, just uh, right from the beginning. You know, just Boone passed out of a trap. Boone one-on-one, Boone one-on-one. Cissé comes in, hits pocket shots, pocket shots, roll dunks. Um, and then I, I thought their, their guards, the speed of their guards, they played uh, downhill. But those, those two, Cissé and Boone, I got to give them a look. They, they, they really... 
really affected us on, on trying to make some decisions what to do, the way they rolled, scored in the post, hit the pocket shots. And that is our Ortho Central clip of the day presented by Ortho Central with clinics in Norman, Midwest City, and now a new Tri-City location serving Newcastle, Tuttle, and Blanchard. These full-service clinics treat orthopedic and sports medicine injuries. You know, and you look at the athleticism on the floor, Oklahoma State has got a big advantage over Oklahoma, and particularly with the bigs. Look, I I think Tanner Groves is a hard-nosed kid, pretty decent player, but not very athletic, and they just got abused, you know, by uh, Boone and Cissé all night long. And, uh, you know, Grant Sherfield, sometimes the Sooners go as he goes. He had a mediocre night, 4 of 12, 3 of 10 from 3, 14 points. Uh, Milo Suzan had 11 points. That's it, double figure-wise. Jalen Hill has been great on the defensive end, but he was spectacular against Alabama, 26, right? Uh, unbelievable game. Five points, 0 of 6 from the floor, missed his only three. All of his five points came from the free throw line. So, really, the Alabama game, and again, look, it's reality. It wasn't like some fantasy, but it felt kind of like uh, the Sooners' thunderstruck game, like they got given these magical powers in that game and just blew away a really good basketball team. Maybe they just came back down to earth last night. Well, and until this team has legitimate size, and when I say legitimate size, what I mean is you have two guys in Tanner Groves and Jalen Hill that are playing out of position. They're not big enough to be playing the positions that they are playing. But to me, until this team has somebody that can anchor the paint, a true big man, a traditional big man, then whether or not they win basketball games is going to be largely contingent on how they shoot the ball from beyond the arc and the play that they get from their guards, most conspicuously Grant Sherfield. And so on a day where Grant Sherfield goes for 30, as he did on Saturday, guess what? You're going to have a pretty dang good chance to win a basketball game. On nights when Grant Sherfield maybe doesn't have that shooting touch, oh boy, you're fighting an uphill battle. No doubt. And look, Oklahoma's not going to make the NCAA tournament. I think that's, you know, I'm captain obvious here. I think we all know that unless there's something miraculous and they start playing like they did against Alabama. And again, they're in the best conference in the country. I get that. Uh, Saturday at West Virginia, 7 o'clock, ESPN2. Remaining schedule. Tell me the winnable games here. Home matchups. Four of them, Kansas, Kansas State, Tech, and TCU. If you go two and two, I think that's a win. Yeah, and you need to beat Tech. You don't beat Tech, then it's a huge problem. And again, Oklahoma's probably going to have to get to six and twelve. You might get to six and twelve with that Alabama win, you know, to get in the tournament. And uh, Joe Lenardi's bracketology released the other day. Now Oklahoma's out again. Away games. You got West Virginia Saturday. Then you have to go to Baylor, Texas, Iowa State, and Kansas State. I mean, that's looking like a 4-14 and 14 or something like that, right? It's not looking like a schedule that's going to be conducive to Oklahoma staying in the field of 68. What? In bracketology or anything else. So far, the Power 5 experiment with Porter is not working. Now, I understand it's the strength of the league is a lot of that. But you know what? Uh, it's and also – I. It's he's got to get in better players, and I know the portal can can help. But – and look, I still think Porter was a great hire and a good coach. But, man, so far it's not working out, you know, in his favor. I, and it's very early. Yeah, I, but, I think it's too early to render a judgment. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to sit here and say it's working or it's not working. I'm going to see what Porter does in years three and four, assuming he's there. Because, listen, I – I know there's going to be a Notre Dame vacancy, and there's been some talk that maybe mm-hmm. Moser becomes a candidate, and obviously that's his home territory. But he came to Oklahoma and was very vocal about the fact that he planned on OU being his last job. So assuming he's in it for the long haul, 
I'm going to see what he does in years three and four once he gets a chance to get his guys on the roster, once he has a couple of recruiting cycles uh, to make sure that the roster looks like what he wants it to look like, not just what he can make it look like yeah. with the hand that he's dealt. Now, And Josie's a patient guy. Josie knows you know, it takes time, and Porter's going to get his time. But Sooner fans are uh, very frustrated right now. Again, you have a great crowd. Did uh, Red Panda drop Oliver Bowles last night, too? Since she was, you know, on the Sooners floor last night. I don't know. Was it that bad? But the atmosphere was incredible. And you can say what you start. Well, yeah, free tickets, whatever. Okay, that's fine. But again, you got the stage set. And again, you've lost six of seven to Oklahoma State. And it's not like OSU has been really good old school OSU lately. You know, mm-hmm. I think, in fact, when I look at that roster and they're pretty athletic, you know, I think they should probably be better than they are. But. They absolutely schooled OU last night from the opening tip. Our first text on the Air Comfort Solutions text line of the day comes from interim KREF program director, Sooner CB, mm-hmm. who says, can we just move on and not talk about a sucky basketball team that most people could care less about? And this coach needs to be shown the door. <laughs> just beat the number already. two team in the nation by 24 points on Saturday, and we're already firing Porter again. That was ugly last night, though, man. And like I said, 71-61 is so misleading because you really never got the feeling, particularly at halftime, to think, all right, maybe Oklahoma could come out start the second half, and the Cowboys just started making shots again. And I know sometimes it's a make-or-miss. You know, the NBA is the make-or-miss league, but sometimes your shots aren't falling. And the Sooners certainly were against Alabama. But last night, man, they uh, – Oklahoma State's a really bad matchup for Oklahoma, too. No doubt about it. Oklahoma Jones says, OU basketball, unfortunately, is embarrassing. Moser may be a great coach, but the team isn't performing like a team that is coached well. If it's a talent issue, then Moser and staff have to figure out a way to recruit better or develop better. The key is going to be bringing in better players. I mean, uh, that's that's it for any coach who, uh, you know, is a good coach. And I still think Porter Moser can coach, but – you got to have the athletes, man. you got to have the athletes. And, again, next up for Oklahoma, a game in Morgantown, Saturday night, 7 o'clock on ESPN2. That's our Sooner Weekly Update brought to you by Wade Electric, your trusted electrical experts for your home or business. You can give them a call at 405-329-1940. Wade Electric with our Sooner Update. All right. Why don't we take an opening timeout, stay on the clock right here. Mike Steely, Parker Thune. Getting you going here on a Thursday. It's the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. What's going on with OU in Texas and the Big 12? Dennis Dodd had a report detailing what might be happening behind the scenes. And we get a lot more recruiting stuff to get to as well. T.J. Eckert, 135, all happening today right here on the Ref. All right, welcome back. Cowboys treated the Sooners like a child last night. One of those red-headed stepchildren. Welcome back. Mike Steely, Parker Thune with you here on the home of Sooner fans, the ref. And uh, let's see what you guys have to say. Here in a little bit, we're going to talk about uh, the Dennis Dodd story about Oklahoma and Texas and the Big 12. We'll get into that here in a second. But you guys fuel the show on the Air Comfort Solutions text line at 405-651-3439. So let's get right there. Gunny of Stutzman Army says, Parker, I'd like to hear about insert random OU story. Love that text, Gunny. Well done. 
Uh, somebody from the 918 said, Little Sebastian is to Pawnee, Indiana, as Red Panda is to Oklahoma. There you go. Love it. Not bad. As Red Panda does have a cult following. Yes, absolutely. In the state of Oklahoma. Uh, another listener says, the Lloyd was packed, Panda on site, so of all the games to lay an egg, I hate that it had to be that one. I feel for Porter and the players they're trying, but they are so unathletic. Now, uh, Terry and Edmund said this basketball team is no better than last year's team. Some new faces, same results. Porter's 31-26. and 26. This team's effort and discipline just not there game after game. But we had a listener in the 405 that made a really good point who said, it's pretty obvious Porter can recruit just in the small sample size we have. Look at Yuzan and Uwe, both freshmen who are contributing valuable minutes. They're still making some freshman mistakes, but they're gaining valuable playing time in the process. And that's yeah, the thing. Like, both those guys look pretty decent. I mean, they're not superstars, but I think they're going to be good, solid uh, players. And they're freshmen, too. Like, for, for these guys to be doing what they're doing at this point, this early on for Porter's program, I think you have to be excited about what Porter's going to bring to the table from a recruiting perspective, but you have to be willing to be patient with the prospect or, or with the process and let him get his guys to Norman before we start rendering a verdict as to what type of coach he is or is going to be for Oklahoma. Because he's had one recruiting class, and of that recruiting class, again, you got Yuzan, you got Uwe, those guys are contributing. Benny Schroeder, not as much, but if two out of your three guys are giving you key minutes as freshmen, I tend to believe that whatever you're doing as an evaluator of talent, you're doing it the right way. So you're saying you'd rather have Dennis Schroeder than Benny Schroeder right now? Uh, I, I would go as far as to say that, yes. Yeah. Well, it's again, it is way too early in this process. But OU basketball fans are frustrated. They're playing in a really good league right now, and they're just not, uh, not holding their own. And again, I don't think, for the most part, for the most part, it's not an effort issue. Now, sometimes the TCU game, Porter talked about it, man. We just weren't there with our effort, our intensity. And I think they just got punched in the mouth last night and couldn't recover. I mean, just props to Oklahoma State. Came into Norman and just uh, made a statement. So, uh, And Oklahoma State's been playing pretty well. All right, 405-651-3439. Here's, here's my thing with this team. To me, they haven't demonstrated an ability to fight adversity. They're a really good basketball team when everything's going well. For instance, Alabama on Saturday. Everything was going well start to finish. There was never a time where they got punched in the mouth in that basketball game. But I rewind to games like the one up in the fog in Lawrence where they led by 10 points with five minutes to go. Kansas hits a couple big shots. The crowd gets back into it. Oklahoma's reeling, stumbling a little bit, and they just never recover. There have been so many games, not just that one, even though that is the most conspicuous example. There have been so many games like that where the opponent, whoever they may be, starts to garner some momentum against Oklahoma, and it just snowballs out of their control. You know, the sad part about that, I agree. Did we not see that happen during the football season quite a bit? When they faced some adversity and a team came back, like games they should have won, like West Virginia and others, when all of a sudden there was some adversity, they tended to fall apart. Um, you know, and we'll see. Obviously, that was, a, that was an issue with the football team, and it's been an issue with the basketball team as well. From the 405, everyone is going to have to come to terms with this team. We are not any good. 
Alabama was overrated, and Grant is probably the only player on the team that would start on any other Big 12 team. And, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, we'll find out about Alabama in the tournament. I still think Alabama's really good, and I think Oklahoma played, you know, it was the Don Larson perfect game almost for OU. Uh-huh. Jay in Tulsa says, how does last night's embarrassing loss affect football recruiting? Well, Jay, stay tuned at 2 p.m. for Locked In. We got you covered. Ah, there um, you go. From the 405, Porter was a 500 coach before his last year at Loyola and looks to be 500 now. Great dude, works hard, but if Notre Dame comes calling, it might not be the worst thing. So we're, we're ready to offload Porter Moser, huh? Well, let's say that Notre Dame offers Porter Moser, all right? And we've talked about this. We were talking about it, you know, all the way back to the middle of last week because Mike Bray made the announcement this is going to be it for him at Notre Dame. Porter, obviously a Catholic. He's from that part of the country. Um, and you think Porter Moser might actually think, man, this is a tougher job than I thought. Our arena situation stinks. We're a very tough. I'm not saying he would back down from anything, but sometimes, man, <laughs> that Notre Dame offer might look pretty good right now if, if it comes his way. We'll see. We'll see. Now, Chapstick on the text line says, oh, you can't have a massive crowd and puke down their leg like they did last night. They had a chance to really build momentum with the fan base and didn't do it. Attendance for the rest of the season is on OU now. Yeah, That's the it's thing, man. gonna be it's tough. It's gonna be tough. Free admission. The goal was just to get everybody in the building, get everybody excited about OU basketball, get excited for Bedlam and the opportunity to exact some revenge against Oklahoma State, and you fall flat on your face. Yeah, it, it was a disappointment, and again, uh, to to have all that positive energy about what you did because, you know, I'm sitting here thinking, because I thought after TCU, you know what, I, I, they're just not very good. And I know they're in a, in a good conference, but they're just not very good. They're not that athletic. They're not that very good. Because earlier in the year I said, this is a pretty good basketball team that's playing in the tough league that can't close the deal, you know. Um, and last night I went back to, well, they're just not – not that good, you know. So it's it's been a roller coaster for OU basketball fans. There's no doubt. Send Porter to Notre Dame and elevate Ryan Humphrey. Says the nine one eight Ryan Humphrey, who originally uh, came to Oklahoma, ended up at Notre Dame, and now is back on staff. Obviously, so I I don't think Porter's going anywhere. We'll see what happens with the Notre Dame situation, but. Um, I can understand Sooner fans are just super frustrated. You know, they really are. Well, I think it's all the more frustrating when you have a win like you did against Alabama. You got something to feel good about. You make such an effort to get everybody in the doors and to pack out the Lloyd Noble Center for your next game. And then all of a sudden, immediately, like you said, within the very first few minutes of the game, it becomes very clear that it has all unraveled. It, it was kind of like one of those old-school Mike Tyson fights that went about 50 seconds. You kind of felt like, even at the first time out, man, this could get ugly. And it got uglier. So um, it'll be interesting to see where they go from here. I, look, they're not going to make the NCAA tournament, barring some incredible turnaround. But and, and congrats to Oklahoma State. It was a good performance. That team's been playing better basketball, no doubt. But I didn't see you know, Desmond Mason, Joe Adkins, or Big Country Reeves out there. You know, this is a decent Oklahoma State team, and they completely schooled OU. Uh, oh, boy, somebody made the mule shoe comparison. This comes from the 918. Porter can recruit a backcourt. Good, great. 
It's no different than Mule Shoe. You can recruit the backcourt all you want, but without some frontcourt players, you're not going far. Well, I just want to bring up a point that Mike and Springfield made on the Air Comfort Solutions sex line. Porter's best two years at Loyola Chicago were because of Cameron Krotwick, who was what? A dominant big. He was pretty darn good, man. You looked at him like, that guy, that guy can't play, surely. And it was kind of like old school Larry Bird when I first saw him at Indiana State. Man, that guy can play. And I'm not saying Cameron Krotwick was in the same neighborhood as Larry Bird, but he was the fuel of that offense, no doubt, uh, for the Ramblers. If this basketball team was in the SEC, how do we compare? Asks one listener. I We've touched on it. I think the move to the SEC, all told, is going to be a good thing for OU basketball because you get out of the meat grinder Yeah, that is the Big 12. And the Big 12 ain't getting any easier with Houston joining the conference either. Now, BYU, Cincinnati, UCF, they're not shabby basketball programs, but Houston is a powerhouse. With Kelvin Sampson. Kelvin's now. done an unbelievable job there. I mean, unbelievable. And, uh, you know, I don't think any of his teams have been as good as, you know, the Elvin Hayes or five Slamma Jamma teams of yesteryear, but they've been pretty darn good in this new modern era of college basketball, and Kelvin has coached his tail off. You're looking at programs in the SEC, Kentucky. I know they've struggled by their standards. Uh, you know, Bama's been really good under Nate Oates. Tennessee's been good. Auburn. You know, has been good. Also, you would Arkansas has been a disappointment. They're now four and five in the league, but they they've had their struggles. But Oklahoma would be a middle of the road uh, SEC team. They'd be ahead of Vandy and Mississippi State and Ole Miss and LSU probably in that range. So, somebody just randomly texted it and said Todd Bates is overrated. Todd Bates catching strays on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Really. Typically, we have meltdown Mondays. This is this is a meltdown. Is this all because oh, of the David a whiner Wednesday? That's is, what this is. Is this because of the David Stone edits and the comment that was made? I don't know. I don't know what it's about. I never know what it it's about. It does seem like the hardest thing to do is to close on a big-time defensive lineman, particularly a five-star. There aren't many of those around, right? It's certainly been the hardest thing for Oklahoma the last yeah. couple cycles. No doubt about it. We'll see if they can get one done. Maybe it will be David Stone. Who knows? Everybody's panicking because of Michigan State and what's going on there right now. But very early in that process. Okay, break time right here. want to thank Lasher Home Comfort Systems. Tim Lasher, great Sooner. Great company. They'll do great heat and air work for you. 405-579-3113. That's 405-579-3113. Lasher Home Comfort Systems. Be right back here on The Ref. All right, we are back. Good to have you with us. Mike Steely, Parker Thune, Steelman and Thune at noon here on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. Back to the Air Comfort Solutions text line here in just a second, 405-651-3439, 405-651-3439. All right, so the Dennis Dodd story out, really no surprise. Basically, the gist of the story is that Oklahoma and Texas made an offer for an early exit to get out of the Big 12. The Big 12 said, you know, I don't think so. No, I don't think we want to do that. And that is part of the reason maybe why or maybe the reason why you haven't seen OU and Texas, you know, jump out there like, here's our new schedule, you know, that kind of deal. So 
We don't know how much the offer was, what it was all about, but obviously it was for some attempt of a buyout or something, obviously, but the Big 12 said no. So the Sooners, again, one of their trips that they're going to be making in next season is to Provo next to last game of the season out in Provo, Utah, against the BYU Cougars in Oklahoma's history. Not very good against BYU. 0-2, Copper Bowl loss. That was in the days where the Sooner program was way down in the dumps. Uh, you know, Schnellenberger was just taking over for Gary Gibbs. It got worse with Schnelly and, and with John Blake. But they played Terrence Brown at quarterback that night in the Copper Bowl and lost to BYU. And, of course, everybody remembers what happened at Jerry World when uh, Sam Bradford broke his collarbone, went out. It was the uh, Landry Jones game. He came in. BYU beat the Sooners there at Jerry World. So let's hear what the BYU guys are saying on the BYU Sports Network. Spencer Linton and Jerome Jordan talking about bring on Oklahoma and Texas. With the uncertainty of how long Texas and Oklahoma are going to be in the Big 12 right now, they're obviously contractually obligated to be there for two years before they join the SEC. Obviously, you hear lots of rumblings that there may be an early buyout. We don't know any of that stuff, but let's just say for the sake of argument that maybe this is the only year that you're going to have an opportunity to face Texas and Oklahoma. That makes these games even more important. Sure, especially when you consider that against Texas and Oklahoma and one of the stranger stats that BYU football is currently enjoying, you're a combined 6-1 and one against the Longhorns and Sooners. 4-1 and one against Texas and 2-0 and all against the Sooners. The numbers don't lie. Bring them on. There you go. That Obviously is somewhat tongue-in-cheek. Yes, but... Six and one, man, that's crazy. And again, a lot of it depends on when you play a team. And, you know, Oklahoma hasn't had many valleys in their illustrious football history. You know, this past season certainly was one. Hopefully they're going to get out of that next season. Sooner fans are, are hopeful. But, you know, like I said, from Gibbs to Schnellenberger, that team was a, a facade that played in the Copper Bowl against BYU. And again, Oklahoma. You think they're going to win that game at Jerry World if San Bradford plays the game, right? But that's not how it turned out, so you're 0-2. BYU fans loved it again because of the way that Barry Switzer campaigned against their team when they won the national championship in 1984, right? They beat a, what, a Michigan team that was 6-5, and five, I believe, in the uh, Holiday Bowl to win the national championship, and Barry Switzer was campaigning, you know, BYU, oh, hell, BYU hadn't played damn schedule, you know, that kind of thing. And that's how Switzer got the uh, water treatment facility named after him out in Utah. Texas, though, I didn't realize that they were 4-1 and one against the Horns, too. So, crazy. So, we'll see. But that trip, I know a lot of Sooner fans are uh, looking forward to that. What do you think would more, be more difficult, a trip to Provo or a trip to Manhattan? A trip to Manhattan, 100%. Yes, that's what I'm saying, sarcastically, because K-State has been the Sooners' kryptonite, right? Yeah. In many ways. That's a place where you never know what you're going to get when you show up to that. Tulane won a road game at Kansas State last year. So it works both ways. The weirdness of Bill Snyder Family Stadium works in both directions. But, yes, Kansas State has had Oklahoma's number as of late. They've won three of four against the Sooners. So – the fact that you don't have to go to Kansas State and you go to, you don't have to go to Baylor, another place where the Sooners have had some issues in recent years. Lost in 2021, mm-hmm. 
had to string together the miracle at McLean to win in 2019 and very nearly lost to what was, I believe, a winless Baylor team at the time in 2017, 49-41. So that's another place where Oklahoma has struggled to keep it together. That Baylor game was Caleb Williams' worst game at OU, right? Yeah, he got benched. Yeah, absolutely. Spencer Rattler came in, and uh, that that was a crazy game. Muleshoe went crazy again late in the game, and old Muleshoe. But he was negotiating at that point, wasn't he? Through his yeah, that agent. Was, that was the week of the personal day. That's right. Mind if I take a personal day? I've okay, got we're you. gonna change the subject okay, here. Yeah. Let's go. Uh, somebody on the text line, after hearing that BYU soundbite, said, you can definitely tell they don't drink alcohol. Uh, Kendall says, how do you think coaches feel when us as fans question their ability to do their job? Do you walk into X place of business and tell the boss how terrible he is at his job? Well, look, sports is a lot different, right? I mean, everybody's got their opinions. I've been doing this since the dinosaurs were here, and, you know, we didn't have a text line back in the day, but all the phone calls, it was kind of the same thing. Look, if your team drops, lays an egg like Oklahoma did last night, then they're going to want the coach's head. That's how it goes, you know? I heard some of that, believe it or not, for Billy Tubbs early in his career. What are we doing out there? You know, Billy's team – what do they win, like nine games their first year, something like that? And then they became tremendous. Did they go to the NIT in his second season? I think they did, that David Little, Chucky Barnett uh, squad back in the day. But, you know, that's just the nature of sports, right? It doesn't work the same way at your dentist or when you go get an X-ray. It's just it's a different atmosphere. Several people on the text line pointed out that last segment I said it was Wednesday. It's not Wednesday. I'm lost, Sealy. Well, actually, guys, back. But that's well, a, that's I, a, bi- that's I, a bigger yes. slip-up than the yeah. one-inch slip-up. I don't you know? really regard that as even, even, well, actually. Yeah, that's right. It, yes, it, it is most definitively not Wednesday. There is no subjectivity involved in that. But, yes, apparently it's Thursday. All the days have kind of blurred together recently. Um, somebody on the text line uh, regarding basketball asked, is any of this the carryover from the end of Lon's tenure? given that OU was running with small lineups. And I think that that's definitely a factor. The reason why Lon's teams were so good, though, was because they had two things that Oklahoma does not have right now. A, they had elite shooters. Yamoji Gibson, Brady Manick, the two guys that immediately spring to mind. And B, they had elite guard play. Most notably, Austin Reeves. Austin Reeves was the guy that you knew you could turn to if you needed a bucket late in basketball games. So that's what set Mm -hmm. Lon's teams apart from Porter Moser's teams over his first two seasons at OU. They haven't had an Austin Reeves. They haven't even had a Brady Manick, for that matter. What about a Mo Gibson? Is Grant Shurfield a Mo Gibson? About the same, maybe? Mo Gibson is leading DePaul in points and assists, by the way. I mean, I'm not surprised by that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, not, it's not like old school Mark Aguirre, Terry Cummings, you know, DePaul back in the day. But still, he is leading them in assistant scoring. All right, let's talk about what's going on with OU football recruiting like Nigel Smith, crystal ball to OU rather than OU basketball demands the 405. Well, I mean, yeah, crystal ball Nigel Smith to OU in November. So Nigel Smith 
explain who he is? Yeah, Some people I, may not know. Four-star, borderline five-star defensive lineman in the 2024 class out of Melissa, Texas. OU is the leader there and has been the leader there for close to a full year. Really, really in good shape for Nigel Smith. Um, what else do we have here on the text line? Somebody said, it's football talk Thursday. Yes, we'll get to football talk. We're talking about basketball because we're getting a lot of texts about basketball. Obviously, the result last night at Lloyd Noble Center was not what anyone wanted. And it's kind of reopened the whole line of discourse about Porter Moser and the future of this OU program. So... We're talking about basketball. We'll get back around to football. We, we actually just do. did like five minutes on football, by the way, right? With the schedule and BYU and all that stuff. We did. So, yeah. <laughs> Somebody on the text line said, TGISS, thank God it's softball season. Stop talking about this basketball team. Give Moser two more years and make a decision after that. Yeah. And I'm okay with that. He's going to get that. Yeah, That's absolutely. Yes. And thank God Patty, uh, Patty Gasso is coming. Patty Gasso it would not be cool. Mm-hmm. Patty Gasso, uh, yes, is our queen, of course. So we are ready. Absolutely. This is going to be another unbelievable soft. They, they very well could be better than a year ago. I know that's a high standard. It's a high hurdle to clear. But, man, that roster they have uh, with the uh, transfer portal of the incoming freshmen based on what they have back, and I know they don't have – uh, Jocelyn Allo obviously coming back, but man, they are stacked and loaded. They are pretty much every year, but this might be their most powerful squad they've had yet, which is uh, kind of scary for the rest of the country. All right, break time right here. Good to have you with us. 405-651-3439. I was thinking I might be able to play some golf maybe Saturday or Sunday morning. But it's still going to be cold, and I'm seeing the wind's going to be like 20 miles an hour, which makes it still too cold that's not good coming right back here on the ref let's go into our final segment for hour number one presented by lasher home comfort systems they'll do great work for you 405-579-3113 tim lasher Big-time Sooner, big-time company, Lasher Home Comfort Systems, Riverwind Casino, some great new promotions happening for the month of February. The Love to Getaway promotion, they're giving away. Uh, if you play with your wild card now through February 11th, you're going to get five times the entries again on a lot of these dates. Uh, between now and February 11th, they're going to give up to $10,000 in cash and bonus play. And then they're going to give three grand prize winners a travel voucher to raise travel for $10,000 each. And then from February 12th through the 25th, they are also extending the Love to Getaway promotion, and they're going to have a bunch of cash and bonus play up for grabs again. And then on February 25th, just before midnight, five grand prize winners will be chosen to win $5,000 in cash each. 2,800 electronic games, best service, Best bars, best dining, best entertainment, best promotions. What's not to love about Riverwind Casino? Another reason why they are simply the best. All right, Air Comfort Solutions tax line, 405-651-3439. Let's go. Everyone has been griping about fans not showing up for basketball. Then 14,000 show up and they lay a steaming turd. All right, again, you cannot use the T word here, but um, I understand Look, we know, look, it was free admission. I get that. 
they uh, they just got dominated, man, from the opening tip. Like I said, that 10-point spread is so misleading. Oklahoma State was much more athletic, and they were ready to go from the opening tip. And, look, a lot of that is making early shots, and Oklahoma State made a lot of those. Sooners did not. And, uh, I mean, that's that's pretty basic, but they just got completely outplayed. And to an extent, out coached last night because Mike Boynton knew where the advantages were. And you've got to have guys like Caleb Boone and Musa Cisse execute, you know, the game plan. And they certainly did. It was domination, really. LH of OKC says Porter Moser has got to start winning close games or he'll be gone. Six losses within five points this season. And letting Oklahoma State win by 16 after being up 10 is not a good look. Yeah, it was what Oklahoma State uh, outscored, I think, the Sooners by 22 in Stillwater. And, again, they jumped on Oklahoma early last night. Now they've won. The Cowboys have six of seven in this series against Oklahoma. And, like I said, you know, this SOSU squad has some some athletes. They're certainly more athletic than Oklahoma. But, again, I don't see Desmond Mason or Big Country Reeves or Joe Adkins or, you know, anybody of that ilk. So, uh Again, this is a game last night. You've got to win at home if you're Oklahoma. Got to win that. That's that's probably, you know, there's about a 5% chance that Oklahoma makes the NCAA tournament right now. And that might be too much. From the 918, couldn't Grant Sherfield be that guy? Haven't looked at the stat line, but I don't think he took too many shots last night. It seems like the more shots he gets up, the better chance they have at winning. He took, I believe it was 12 last night, and was, yeah, 4 of 12, 3 of 10 from three-point range. And, you know, there are a lot of these teams that are trying to, uh, you know, take the ball out of his hands and, you know, switching and all of that stuff. So he's the guy that uh, opposing teams are certainly trying to take away. Have burrito trucks infested the campus? Could that be to blame for all this mediocre sports play? That comes from Shane in Newcastle. I don't know. Can you have too many burrito trucks? I mean, I prefer a good taco myself, but a burrito truck's probably going to offer up a taco, I would think, as well. Now, if you're Gabe Burkett, you stay away from the burrito The trucks. burrito curse was real. Absolutely real. Does anyone really care, says one listener? It's college basketball. Oh, they care. I would say people care. They care, yes. Maybe not I as much. I would say as, Joe Castiglione certainly cares. Not nearly as much as college football, but yes, the, the care is still there. All right, 405-651-3439. Bottom line is pretty simple. There's no magic formula. There's no magic style of basketball that's going to put people in seats. Bottom line is you have to win if you want fans to show up. Well, certainly in Oklahoma you do. I mean, there are some places. I Look, I, I think even North Carolina and Kentucky, some of the places that you would always have, you know, once they built the Dean Dome and got out of Carmichael Auditorium back in the day, that you know, you could probably have 13,000, 15,000 every night. But it's a different day and age in terms of entertainment choices, and people are a lot more comfortable now sitting in their own homes, watching on a big screen, or they can stream every game. You know, we used to get maybe a, like a midweek game and then Jay Randolph and Gary Thompson with the big eight game of the week and some ESPN games. But for a while, it was like, you know, one local game and then one national game with Dick Enberg, Al McGuire, and Billy Packers. So there are a lot of entertainment choices out there now. Remind me the idiotic reasons we got sideways with Kelvin Sampson, asks one listener. 
Didn't it have to do with text messages? Yeah, it was that, which really now looks super, you know, ridiculous, like a, a, about as low a misdemeanor as you can get. But he kept he did it a couple times, and that didn't look good, obviously. But the criticisms of Kelvin's teams were they, you know, they weren't Billy teams. They weren't exciting. They were hard-nosed, and uh, Kelvin had some really good teams, there's no doubt. But they didn't play the brand that Billy played up and down the floor. You know, all Oklahoma basketball coaches, at least, you know, I, I don't know if it's going to be happening in 50 years, but a lot of the coaches, again, they're, they're judged by the Billy Tubbs standard because he set the standard because he played exciting basketball with great athletes and won. And that's what fans love to see. They love to see up and down the floor basketball and you winning playing that style. So, anyway, Billy was great, you know, great recruiter, uh, got some great junior college guys into. So, Billy was just, uh, he was big time. Okay, hour number two coming up. We have TJ Eckert on the way at 135. We'll talk a lot more Sooner football as well. We'll jump into some recruiting stuff. Um, by the way, it's still looking like it's likely that LeBron James will break Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's all-time NBA scoring record against the Oklahoma City Thunder next Tuesday. If his averages stay what they are, it looks like that historic moment will come against the Thunder out in L.A. next Tuesday, and we'll find out later tonight that Shea Gilgis-Alexander will officially be named an NBA All-Star tonight, 6 o'clock on TNT, the reserves will be announced, and SGA will be one of those reserves. There's no doubt. Stay with us. All right, let's jump into hour number two. Here in the Buffalo Wild Wings studio on a Thursday, Mike Steely Parker Thune with you. Hour number two is always brought to you by the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. Exit 72 in Paul's Valley, USA. Great selection there. Cars, trucks, SUVs, pre-owned vehicles, whatever you're looking for. They've got a great selection. And they've got the great guarantee oil changes, engines for life on newer used gas or diesel at no additional cost to you. And again, we love that phrase, no additional cost to you. That's a good one. Okay, um, Steve Wiltfong, National Recruiting Director, 247 Sports. The Sooners yesterday had one extra signee, Taylor Heim, the kid from Bethany that takes Oklahoma to 26, right, Parker, for their class. Steve Wiltfong, again, talking about the Sooners class, which is ranked fourth nationally. And he said, uh, not surprised that uh, Brent Venables – was able to put together a good class. Yeah, well, Brent Venables has always been an electric recruiter. He was at Clemson. He was the one that kind of spearheaded their efforts on the trail, on the defensive side of the ball. He was involved in all their top targets recruitments. And, you know, certainly when he worked at Clemson, he saw how involved Dabo Sweeney was in closing all the players on their board. And uh, he knows how important that is from the head coach perspective. And I think his influence is all over this class. And then he's got a staff full of really good recruiters. And then Oklahoma, as you know, as well as anybody, is a very special 
special place that has a terrific fan base and a lot of history. And, and it's a place that's had Heisman Trophy winners and won national championships recently and been in a lot of college football playoffs. And the thing that kind of blows me away about Oklahoma is you look at how they were statistically this year and they ranked 129th in total defense. Hell, Brent Venables hasn't ranked 29th very often in his career in defense, let alone 129th. So you look at this class and I think that there's guys that immediately can come in and help start to change the uh, uh, identity that they have on defense, which is which was horrendous this past year. There you go. All right, so Parker – 2024, you said yesterday you think that Oklahoma can do as good or better, you know, with this recruiting class in 2024. And again, four is a pretty high hurdle to climb. But what I want to know, the trio the Sooners have, the headline trio of Jackson Arnold, P.J. Atabare, and Peyton Bowen. Now, Uh I'm not saying same positions, but who could like that trio? Who would you think? is realistic to be maybe a trio like that in this 2024 class that every Sooner fan would be excited about? Ooh, that's a good question. I'm trying to think of the truly elite guys that they are training for. Because I feel like, you know, Oklahoma's going to get plenty of mid, high to mid-tier four-star guys. Yeah. That's where the vast majority of recruiting classes are built. And so I, I believe they're going to end up with guys like – Peyton Pierce and Aaron Flowers and Eli Bowen, right? But I think if you're talking top flight prospects in this 2024 class, I'll go ahead and I'll say the Sooners are going to score a trio at minimum of defensive linemen that OU fans are going to be juiced about this time next year. You're talking about four-star guys? I mean, I'm talking about five-star guys. Really? Now, I'm not saying all three will be five-star guys, but – I think right now, I I believe David Stone ends up at Oklahoma. I believe Nigel Smith ends up at o- Oklahoma. Right now, David Stone is a five-star. Nigel Smith is right on the cusp of being a five-star. And then I think OU has more than a puncher's chance in the recruitment of Williams Nguyenary, the number one defensive lineman in America, according to 24-7 Sports, who is a high school teammate of one Caden Green and who plays for a former Sooner in Jamar Mosey. So, if Oklahoma can score three defensive linemen in the national top 50, regardless of position, in the 2024 class, that's a nucleus that you can get stoked about. Yeah, and I think that's the one missing piece so far because, again, you look at what Oklahoma pulled off with this class, it's still pretty amazing. And I know there were some, uh, there were some losses that hurt quite a bit. D.J. Hicks, obviously, Cade McDonald down the stretch. Uh, there were some early losses as well. When you lose, uh, uh, I'm drawing a blank, the wide receiver, the speech that went to Georgia down the stretch. Anthony Evans. Anthony Evans. Uh, but still, to be fourth is pretty amazing considering, you know, a lot of what we saw on the field this year wasn't that pretty. And hopefully it will get a lot prettier this coming season. But that's that's a great effort for Oklahoma. But it seems like the one thing, and again, look, it's not easy to close on a five-star or a close-to-five-star defensive lineman because you're battling the heavyweights, but they got to start closing some of those, right? Yeah. That seems like the the kind of the last piece to the puzzle. And all the morons, and they are morons right now, who are writing off Todd Bates as a recruiter, are probably all the same morons that wrote off DeMarco Murray after one cycle as a recruiter after he missed on Kamar Wheaton. Well, look what DeMarco Murray's doing these days. 
he's going to have to turn away guys in the 2024 class. He's got more blue chip dudes wanting to be down the door to come to Oklahoma than he knows what to do with. Todd Bates is going to start recruiting really well by year two. Or year Wasn't two. Todd Bates like the national recruiter of the year at Clemson one year? Yes, that happened. Yeah. So I think the guy can recruit. But again, you got to close some of these deals. And again, look, impatience with fans, that's never going to die down again. They're going to make a knee jerk microwave reaction on everything. And I understand it. That's what sports is all about to a certain extent. But. Yeah, they do need to start closing some of those some of those deals on the uh, top flight defensive linemen. You've got to get, you know, every now and then you've got to get a Gerald McCoy, a Tommy Harris, guys like that, right? Okay, 405-651-3439. Air Cover Solutions text line. Does Parker still feel we get those guys if we go 6 and 7 again? Well, I look. Who's to say? That's a long ways into the future. I mean, we're talking 10 months of time as well as an entire season and who knows what it could bring. But I will say this, Nigel Smith is one of those guys that was completely undeterred by Oklahoma's struggles last year. In fact, I, I went down to a game at Melissa and I talked to him about it. I asked him straight up, dude, like, cause it was right after Oklahoma had gotten throttled by Texas and was three and three on the year. And I said, dude, straight up, Oklahoma doesn't look very good right now. Does that worry you at all? Does that change your perception of the program? He said, absolutely not. Because things aren't going to change at Oklahoma until guys like me get there and change it. And that's what the coaching staff is pitching to me. That's what they're telling me. Hey, we need you here. Look at what this defense is and where it is right now. And look at what BV's defenses have done in the past once he's gotten his guys on campus and once he's gotten his dudes in the system. Come be one of those dudes that helps take this defense from the from down in the dumps to national championship caliber. And so I think when you look at the pieces that Oklahoma has in the 2023 cycle on the defensive side of the ball, I think there are some members of this class that are going to come in and contribute right away defensively. I'll be honest, and I, I know I'm, I'm about to reference the four highest-rated defensive signees that Oklahoma has, which – you know, it's it's not that sexy. I know everybody's kind of looking for, you know, which under-the-radar guys are going to flash. You know what? Sometimes the rankings and the stars tell you all you need to know about how good a player is. And I think the Sooners got four really good players at the helm of their defensive class in P.J. Adabare, Peyton Bowen, Makari Vickers, and Samuel Masigo. And I would be surprised if all four of those guys are not contributing and playing some pretty dang good football in year one as freshmen for Oklahoma. 405-651-3439 from the 918. Is the wide receiver out of Texas Tech going to follow his coach to OU? That would be Jaron Bradley. Yeah, there was a lot of buzz and nothing ever really became now, of it. Now, that could happen after spring, though, right? You got a short it portal. Could. Yeah, you got a short portal window. 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 <laughs> that could, uh, you know, maybe he could come, come then. We'll see. Kylan Brokenbow says, Parker, what are your thoughts on the Jordan Mukes transfer? That one surprised me. Uh, it, it shouldn't have surprised anybody, I don't think. Jordan Mukes played one snap in 2022 for Oklahoma. Kid out one of Choctaw. Kid was out of four-star. Was a basketball player. Didn't play football until his junior year of high school. Ended up being a four-star. Was big, was rangy, was athletic. But just, it, it never really clicked for him. And he had all the physical gifts in the world, but 
at the end of the day, he just and it's it sounds a lot harsher than it actually is because he he's a really good athlete. He just wasn't a football player, at least not a football player that was OU caliber. The uh, Rawlings Kabanga kid, right? He was basically he played <laughs> one year football, right? Was, uh, yeah, was ne- never guy. never appeared in a game for Oklahoma. And that was that was another guy athletically that they, they kind of took a chance on and thought we could turn this guy into a rusher, right? Uh huh. And it just sometimes those work out, sometimes they don't. And I don't know if Jordan Mukes was as big of a, an experiment as that, but yeah, sometimes you can have a really good athlete that is a so-so football player. So has Jordan Mukes ended in, ended up anywhere? Abilene Christian. Abilene Christian, really. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And Nathan Rollins Kabange is down there at South Alabama these days. Hmm. So again, some guys are really good athletes with really impressive athletic profiles, and it just doesn't click for them on the gridiron. From the 918, Todd Bates is not the problem. Being stuck in this conference is the problem. Well, I mean, you have, you know, that situation where recruits know that OU is going to be in the SEC, but, you know, opposing coaches might be saying, you know, I know it's going to be great, you know, competing in the SEC is what you want to be doing, but Oklahoma's not going to be there for two years, right? That's probably what a lot of the coaches were saying last year. So, I don't know. Do you think that's part of the issue, still being in the Big 12? At this point, no, I really don't, just because they're recruiting around the promise of playing in the SEC. And I think everybody understands that the move to the SEC is imminent one way or another. And, yeah, look, there are guys that – you know, they're going to look at Oklahoma's situation in the Big 12, and they're going to say, I, I think it's more applicable to portal guys than anything else. Guys who only have a year or two more to play and are looking to compete against the best, they're probably thinking, you know what, I'm not going to be at Oklahoma long enough to face an SEC slate. But for guys that are coming in via the recruiting trail, guys that are coming in as true freshmen with a full four years of eligibility ahead of them, they're going to play the majority of their college ball against SEC competition. So... I don't think the Big 12 has much of an impact these days on Oklahoma's recruiting efforts. All right, break time. We've got T.J. Eckert on the way at 135 via the Riverwind Casino hotline. Mike Gundy had some interesting things to say yesterday. Not a culture problem at Oklahoma State. He was pretty emphatic about that. We'll talk about that next. We are back. Thursday edition of Steelman and Thune here on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network, 405-651-3439 on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Good to have you with us. Mike Gundy had some interesting things to say yesterday. Doesn't he always? He does. Yes, he is. Uh, I don't know if he's the Dosecki's most interesting man in the world, but he's up there pretty high in the rankings. Most no interesting man in Oklahoma. I, yeah, I would say. But, uh, you know. I found this Carson Cunningham retweeted it. Thank you, Carson. I was like, man, that was some good audio right there. I'm going to run that. And uh, Mike was on Robert Allen's show on Triple Play Sports in Stillwater yesterday. So this is courtesy of Triple Play Sports, Robert Allen's program. And uh, Robert was talking to Mike about, you know, there's an image out there with everybody because of the transfers and everything that Oklahoma State's culture is falling apart. Here is what Mike Gundy had to say about that. 
now that that's over with, uh, when we get everybody back, we can get right back into football and teaching and coaching and trying to get these young players implemented. The culture side of it's been really good. I've had, gosh, I don't know how many meetings, 15, 20 meetings with some of the veteran players and talked about the culture. And, um, you know, they we, we, we kind of laughed about the, the so-called uh, public perception of there being a poison in the locker room, which is basically bull****. Uh, you know, the players, you're always going to have two or three guys, maybe four, that feel like they want to get more playing time or for whatever reason. That is going to go on everywhere in the country. Um, I, you know, I'm not on Twitter, but, uh, you know, I have people that kind of keep me up to date with stuff. There you go. So that's a bunch of bull. Beep. Is, I, look, I don't know what's going on at Oklahoma State. It was interesting. What I do find interesting, and I like Mike a lot. I, I do. I think he's a good coach. And I go way, way back calling his high school games when he won a state championship back in the day with the Midwest City Bombers. But, um, it, it cracks me up sometimes because he'll always clear. Now, I'm not on Twitter, but I have people who tell me what's going on on Twitter, basically. He's definitely on Twitter also. He is he, on he Twitter. He has a Twitter account. But he wants you to believe that he never, ever, ever looks at Twitter. Is it possible to never, ever look at Twitter? I think it is. You know what? You know what happened the other night? Our Wi-Fi crashed. Oh, boy, Steely. And it was out for like 45 minutes. Things were just spinning and spinning and spinning, and I thought I was going to die. It was like I didn't have any water or oxygen or anything. It was that sad. I finally told my lovely wife, Shay, that's it. I'm just going to go to bed. There was no Wi-Fi. That is pretty sad. Let me ask you this: What would your day? What would a day in the life of Steely look like without Wi-Fi access? Well, I used to live in the days before Wi-Fi, and uh-huh. I actually made it. But the times were tough, man. Really difficult. I mean, you had to like go outside and touch grass and play sports. Um, you know, we ap- actually were able to operate like an Atari and a Nintendo system without Wi-Fi back in the day. We had phones with cords that were attached to the phone and you could take the phone if you bought this super long cord you could stretch the phone all the way back into your bedroom under the door and talk to your girlfriend you know mm-hmm. and if you were really lucky and if your parents were really cool or you had like the trust fund you will get your own phone line so we did exist but times were tough really difficult but we made it but without Wi-Fi now, we're so dependent. It's so bad. I'm like, I can't watch a game or Netflix. This is ridiculous. Oh, yeah, because everybody's TV services these days are attached to Wi-Fi connectivity, yeah. aren't they? Now, I could watch it on the phone, but that was going to take up data, data, data. Take that for data. Okay, 405-651-3439. But Mike Gundy says, no culture issue at Oklahoma State. It does seem, though, the Spencer Sanders exit from Stillwater just seemed not right, you know, on so many, on both ends. Then you had the Ocali kind of taking a shot. I understand it was in jest, but, you know, here you go, Ole Miss, take our leftovers, you know. And it, it just seemed like for a guy, and Spencer Sanders certainly doesn't sound like he handled it right either, but it was just a, it was an unceremonious Exit for Spencer Sanders at Oklahoma State. I think Mike Gundy, it seems to me he's kind of under the impression that he's going to continue to keep the train rolling at Oklahoma State regardless of who he pisses off along the way. 
and he feels like he's going to be able to keep the train rolling regardless, which maybe he can. Yeah. I don't know, but. That's a dangerous ledge to be out there on, you know, because you might fall off. But, you know, for the most part, Mike Gundy has done a great job developing players, brings in good coordinators, and uh, overall has been a fantastic coach, best ever at Oklahoma State. So, and that includes, you know, Jimmy Johnson was there for a while. Pat Jones did a good job for a while. And then, you know, things tapered off at the end. But um, it's really going to be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, I, but we have we don't have the unlimited amounts. So, yeah, that's the problem with our cellular data. So that's a CEO issue. Shay is the CEO. So I got to be very careful there. Some of my favorite moments on this show are when Steely's in the middle of a thought and he just pauses to have a conversation with someone on the text line. That's right. Yes. Well, somebody <laughs> said, does Steely never use cellular data? That's what I was answering. So that was an old man moment. There are moments of senility here, Parker, and they're only going to get worse. Uh, somebody on somebody from the 405 says, ask Steely what it was like having to read the paper to get the latest sports news. I remember those days. Oh, man, you used to look forward to the paper, man. you get the Oklahoma in the morning, and you would get the uh, the transcript in the afternoon, and a lot of times you, I would go buy the Dallas Morning News. So, yeah, I was a big papers guy. The papers, the papers. Nick says, this is why I don't like Gundy, his cocky attitude. Uh, this listener in Wichita says, Mike Gunny is full of BS, just a loudmouth redneck. Another says, I think Gundy is giving up. How do you finish 10th out of 14 in the Big 12 recruiting rankings? Pretty embarrassing. You know, Oklahoma State has never been a recruiting powerhouse. I mean, they've gotten no, they- some, some pretty good players here and there. And, you know, when you get uh, guys like Des Bryant or R.W. McCorders or – you know, you get Barry Sanders as a, uh, you know, uh, a guy that his dad, again, was an Oklahoma fan. But you keep him away from Oklahoma. I think his offers were OSU and K-State, if I'm not mistaken. But he's always been really good at developing players. And they have had a pretty good culture at Oklahoma State. There's no doubt. But we'll see what happens going forward. The portal can destroy everything. Do you feel better right now about the portal now that we've seen kind of how it's going to work, or do you feel worse about the portal? I feel worse about the portal. I do too. I mean, I knew there was going to be some money involved, but when you see like the Jaden Rashada numbers, who ended up at Arizona State, by the way, but, um, you know, you think, wow, that's, I mean, it was $17 million over the course of his time at Florida, right? That's what it was going to amount to. And we knew there were going to be some big dollars out there. But, I mean, that's – he's making more money than, what, a third of the players in the NFL with that deal or more? If that deal had gone through, of course. So, to me, I still think I'm admittedly a bit of a slippery slope guy, but I'm still thinking, man, we've got to get some parameters here or five years down the road it's going to be man. This particular this is not fun. This particular text line denizen is living the ideal human life. This listener from the 307 says, "Never have I ever looked at any social media and life is great." I bet it is. I'd uh, love yeah. to lead that life. I would kind of like to do that as well, but the problem is, you know, you get on social media in this business and I try to stay off of it for a long time. 
but they tell you, man, you really need to get on Twitter. You really need to get on Twitter. Tweet what you're going to be doing on your show. Tweet this, tweet that, you know, and get, get, get engaged with your audience. So it's kind of like you don't have much choice here. I don't tweet a whole lot, to be honest, but I'm on a lot looking at stories, looking for uh, sound, all kinds of stuff. It's, it's almost like a sports wire service for me more than anything else, kind of. So anyway. Tyler from Kellyville asks, Steely, was your first job waiting tables at the Last Supper? Maybe. Maybe. You never know. You it, in, are you in the portrait? I, the portrait is of there the Last a, Supper? Is there a guy wearing a quarter zip and a ball cap in the portrait <laughs> somewhere? Maybe it was painted over, you know. Who knows? Uh, from the 512, y'all act like Oklahoma State used to get beat out by Iowa State, Baylor Tech, K-State. There's no reason those schools should be out recruiting Oklahoma State. Here's the thing about Oklahoma State. Here's what everybody needs to understand. They, how do I phrase this properly? More so than probably any other school in the Power Five, they do their own evaluations. They are not going to recruit kids because they are blue-chip prospects. They're not going to recruit kids because the recruiting services are buzzing about them. They're going to go out and they're going to make a grassroots effort to find and evaluate and offer players that fly under the radar, and those are the kids that they're going to sign. And it's worked for them. It has. And, look, if you're Oklahoma State, no discredit to Oklahoma State because, again, I think overall Mike Gundy's done a really good job. But how many of these heavyweight battles are you going to win when you're going against Oklahoma or Texas or some of the other you know, legendary names in college football. Yeah, you, you gotta you've got to be realistic be, you do about what your identity as a program is. And try and identify a guy that you think, this guy's got a lot of raw ability, he could work out and be a heck of a player for us. Okay, break time right here. T.J. Eckert's going to join us. We'll talk about a little uh, Bedlam basketball. We'll talk uh, football as well with T.J. coming up next on the Riverwind Casino Hotline here on the home of Sooner fans, the refs. Stay with us. Welcome back. Joining us on the Riverwind Casino Hotline, the one, the only T.J. Eckert, KTUL TV Sports Director. T.J., how does Oklahoma go from the beatdown of Alabama to getting just absolutely a bedlam beatdown by the Cowboys last night like that in front of a full house? That was it's a question I think everybody wants to have an answer to today, Steely. It, it, it almost kind of feels like at this point, can you call the Alabama game like an anomaly? Like, can you call that? Can you call that the, the blip? Like, I don't know. It, it, the, the way they played last night against Oklahoma State felt similar to ways they've played in games recently, minus the Bama game. So it it almost feels like that was, not a fluke because they played so well in that Bama game, but almost feels like that was just, like I said, an anomaly because it was, it, it stands alone from any other game they've played basically all season against anybody that had any, any talent. So yeah, it was bizarre. I mean, OSU came out and, and punched them in the mouth from the opening tip. And I mean, really, honestly, aside from there being a giant crowd, it never really felt like OU was in the game after the first, couple minutes of the game i mean it was it never got down to within what seven after the seven minute mark in the first half it was yeah it was a beat down when you're talking about a jekyll and hyde team like oklahoma tj and obviously a team that has endured a lot more hide than jekyll this season 
And you got to win like you did against Alabama, where you beat the number two team in the country by 24 points. It looked like that was going to be a real nice feather in the cap for a potential tournament resume for Oklahoma. But to sandwich that victory in between two embarrassing losses, the likes of the ones that they suffered at the hands of TCU and Oklahoma State, does that diminish the importance and the significance of that Alabama win when it comes time to compare resumes on Selection Sunday? Well, you know, I think if they can, if they're able to string together wins down the stretch of the Big 12 slate here, and, it, and you know, if they're able to get to that 17 win mark or whatever that everybody's kind of pointing at, they can win four or five more games in the Big 12, and, the, and the, you, you compare their resumes to other teams outside of the Big 12, I, I think the win still matters um, in terms of in trying to get into the NCAA tournament. If they, do, if they falter and... and and struggle down the stretch and, and kind of check out for the season like we kind of thought they were going to do after the TCU game, then, yeah, then that, I mean, the answer is obvious and the win doesn't carry as much weight. But I think if you're able, if they're able to find, well, five wins, they're at 12 wins right now. If they, can, if they find five wins somewhere on that schedule, and I'm, you might be hard-pressed to do that, then I still think that that resume still stands to be pretty good. I mean, there's, there's some losses in there that you really can't excuse. You know, it's the same Houston State to open the season is a really bad loss, regardless of how well they're playing in their conference. So there are things in there that are their resume does have a bunch of blemishes, but I mean Fran Fraschilla said it last night in the first half of the of the game. The that OU win, the Alabama win might be the best win, one of the best wins in the country, regardless of team. So I mean if if it truly does come down to that to that, if OU can get to a point where they're squarely on the bubble at the beginning of March, then I still think the win carries some weight. But they got to get there first. TJ Eckert, our guest on the uh, Riverwind Casino Hotline. All right, uh, what did you make of the Big 12 schedule, and uh, was there anything that stood out to you with its release the other day? Yeah, it's it's interesting. Uh, curious to see what a Black Friday game looks like in Norman, especially with TCU. I, I know that they're likely, it's highly likely, they're not going to be the TCU of last year. I mean, that's going to be hard to repeat, obviously. But they're still a pretty good team, and, and playing on a Friday night after Thanksgiving, that's going to be kind of kind of odd, and coming out of, of flying back from Provo the week before. So so that's interesting. You know, the schedule's fine. I, I, I made the point on Twitter, it feels like the home schedule packs it doesn't pack much of a punch, right? I mean, your, your marquee game, I guess, at home is TCU, and it's on a Friday night. You know, you, you really don't have a, a big-ticket team coming to Norman, and then you throw in the non-conference, Late of teams coming to Norman, it's just kind of a kind of a meh home schedule for OU. So that that was kind of my biggest takeaway, I think, from the schedule. Uh, the, the biggest takeaway from the Big 12 schedule release period is the fact that they haven't posted the schedule or done any type of graphic yet. I think a lot of people have been talking about that. Kind of like I don't know if that's like a like a slap in the face of the Big 12 that they're trying to do right now. If they're being petty or if the graphics guy is out of town right now, I'm not sure. Thought that was kind of interesting. <laughs> Now, you look at this schedule, TJ, and obviously Oklahoma has Arkansas State and SMU at home and then Tulsa on the road in non-conference. Then their first two games of conference play are Cincinnati on the road, and then they come home to take on Iowa State. Are the Sooners 5-0 and heading into the Red River Showdown? <laughs> that's Honestly, that's, that's kind of the first thing I saw whenever that schedule came out, Parker, was like, hey, man, this is there's a really good chance that, that OU creates some serious momentum going into Big 12 play, the, the, the brunt of Big 12 play, like you mentioned with Texas. I, I, I certainly think it's possible. Uh, I, I don't know, you know, I, I haven't done a breakdown of what Cincinnati's got coming back from last season, but I watched them play Tulsa, and they were, they were fine. 
So, you know, they're bringing a new coaching staff. That's going to be interesting. So I'm sure Cincinnati fans will be fired up to have OU in town. But, yeah, I think it's completely plausible to say that OU is undefeated going into the Red River Showdown. And if they're able to find a way to win that game, I believe their bye week is right after the Texas game. So the schedule kind of sets up nice for OU if they can win the games that they should win. From the 918, how does TJ know we're playing TCU at 9? Because TJ has sources. That's how. <laughs> That's, okay. is, is, it, it might, right? I mean, I don't know. Maybe they'll play at 11 a.m. kickoff on Black Friday. Perhaps. I don't know. Yeah, that, that's hasn't that always kind of belonged in Nebraska, Iowa? I don't know. We'll find out, but we'll see. Um, who knows if, if it even stays on a Friday. All right, uh, you got back Kevin Wilson, recruiting class. Uh, you know, things you have to bring stuff together quickly and try and keep as many of those kids that you like committed uh, to the previous staff with Philip Montgomery. What do you have to say, and how's the momentum feeling for TU football with Kevin Wilson, Steve Spurrier Jr. and company? Yeah, shocker, but Kevin Wilson liked his class. I think uh, I, I haven't met a head coach yet who didn't like the class they signed. I, I find that find that odd. He uh, he liked it. He did, and he made a he made a point in the press conference to to talk about recruiting local. He's been doing that since he got here, and he and he did it on the recruiting trail. I, I think three kids from what we call the Green Country area up here. I think four total in this February period from the state of Oklahoma. I may have my numbers mixed up there, but he signed a bunch of kids overall, portal, early signing period, and the February signing period from the state of Oklahoma, which I, I think bodes well for fans. I think they, that it shows a commitment maybe to recruiting local. He made the point to say, you know, there's going to be big, there's going to be kids at all the big schools, Union Jinx, Broken Arrow, also Bixby, those schools up here. Uh, but he said, you know, there's going to be a dude in Idabel. There's going to be a dude in Weatherford. There's going to be a dude I'm trying to remember the other school he said. He said a bunch of smaller towns. So, I mean, he, he made an emphasis on recruiting local and not just recruiting the big dogs here uh, in the city. So, he, he did a good job. He brought in a good class. Um, I think I think at the very beginning of the season, I, and Parker might refresh my memory, you guys asked me to, of some kids to keep an eye on in the Tulsa area going into the 2022 high school season. And I mentioned Kirk Francis's name. Come on. Uh, qu- quarterback at Metro Christian. And he just – and he – signed a preferred walk-on to TU. So he's a preferred walk-on, so he didn't get the offer, but he's a preferred walk-on, and the staff really likes him from what I've heard. So uh, there's a kid right there to keep an eye on because, you know, the dude's going to get in there and work, and the quarterback room isn't too deep right now at TU. So, uh, yeah, I think overall good class. Well, I knew what your answer was going to be, so and you just kind of tipped it, so now I have to rephrase this question. Favorite signee of Tulsa's not named Kirk Francis because, trust me, <laughs> that's that's my favorite signee of theirs too. Yep, 100% agree. You know, I mean, just looking around the Oklahoma kids they signed, um, there's there's a few that stood out to me. So I really like the Tyler Rich kid from Owasso. I think it's because he's a single-digit defensive lineman. I don't know if that's just something that I enjoy seeing. Always got to have one of those. wearing little numbers. Yeah, you got to have one of those. So I enjoyed that. Um, and then I don't want to butcher the name, but I think, it, I think it's Camden Crooks out of Cushing. Yep. Um, I, I really liked what he did uh, there with Blaze Berlowitz at Cushing, and, and that offense was really high-powered. Not sure what he'll turn out to be at, at the college level, but really enjoyed watching him at Cushing, and I think he's got some games. So that, that'll be a fun one to watch and see how he kind of develops in Kevin Wilson's system. Any of those uh, preferred walk-on kids from the Tulsa area that are headed to Oklahoma, the Bixby kids, or any of those guys stand out to you that you really like, that you think, hey, maybe this guy could turn into a Drake Stoops kind of guy and get, a, get his full ride and become a playmaker? Yeah, so the thing the thing about Bixby kids that I've noticed at least recently from from these Lauren Montgomery teams is that 
the weight room stuff doesn't bother him because the weight room is such a big deal to Bixby and their program. And so uh, even when I was – he got there in 2010 or whatever, 2011, when I was a junior and a senior, and I only had one year, full year of offseason with Montgomery. But I felt like that offseason lifting program prepared me for UCO. And these kids have been doing it for eight, nine, ten years since they've been in, in you know, the Little League stuff. So – I think kids like Jacob Snyder, I think those guys are going to come in and work hard. I think those are the, those are the type of kids, at least early on, if they stick, will make an impact on special teams. I mean, they're, guys, they're going to fly down there, on, down the field. Um, they're going to play hard. Um, they're, they're good in the classroom. So, those, you know, being a walk-on is always tough because you don't feel like maybe you're getting the same looks as, as the scholarship kids. But in terms of being prepared for a college-like atmosphere, the Vixie guys have – have kind of had that. And so if you were to put money on kids to, to kind of stand out, but those Bixby guys, they really do a good job of preparing you for the college level. And, and I think they could maybe have a spot on special teams early. And, and like you mentioned, the Drake Soups, maybe they evolve into, you know, that, that fourth, third, fourth option maybe in the offense as they get older in that offense maybe. Yeah, it looks like Brent is uh, going to utilize that, cast a wide net, get as many players that are yeah. right there on the borderline and see what he can find. So uh, it looks yep. like a good situation. TJ, always appreciate your time, my friend. Thank you. You bet. Appreciate you guys. We'll talk soon. TJ Eckert, KTUL-TV in Tulsa. We'll break right here. We'll head back to the Air Comfort Solutions text line. We'll try and get as many texts in as we can before we get out of here. Is that one from Doc? Is that Doc D? Ah, we'll see. I think it is. It may be. Let us know. All right. Coming right back. One more segment right here on the Home of Sooner Fans. The ref. All right, we are back. Good to have you with us. Closing it out. Steelman and Thune here on a Thursday. Going to get locked in with Parker and Tyler McComas at the top of the hour right here on the home of Sooner fans, the ref. Riverwind Casino got some big-time promotions happening each and every month out at Riverwind. You know their marketing team is going to do it upright and give you some creative, fun promotions where you can win cash, bonus play, prizes, all kinds of stuff. The Love to Getaway promotion, win your share of $75,000 from now until February 11th. Play with your wild card, rack up the extra points, and then they're going to give away $10,000 in cash and bonus play February 11th. And then at midnight, three grand prize winners are going to be chosen to win a travel voucher from Ray's Travel for $10,000 each. And then February 12th through the 25th, earn one entry for every five points in your wild card. And they will have a big drawing February 25th. They'll award $10,000 in cash and bonus play and preliminary drawings. And then just before midnight on the 25th, Five grand prize winners will be chosen to win $5,000 cash each. So Riverwind Casino, always the best promotions. And, again, they're going through a renovation right now. They're getting close. I'd say we're in the fourth quarter of the renovation. Again, remember they have gaming in the Showplace Theater. We have gaming in the River Lounge under the Sky Bridge. But won't be too long before we reopen the Showplace Theater Earth, Wind, and Fire is going to be out there. You know, they'll have some uh, great concerts. If you haven't been to that concert venue, you need to. Uh, and it's not too far away from when uh, we'll reopen the Showplace Theater. But, you know, I'm a huge fan of Riverwind. Justin, the group over there, they're awesome. Riverwind Casino, simply the best. All right. Uh, Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439.
Keep hearing about preferred walk-ons getting NIL money that coincidentally covers their tuition slash books slash room and board. Is it turning into a way to get more scholarship kids without burning scholarships? Yeah, I think you're on to something, you, uh-huh. know, you know, I mean. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Again, they NIL created so many ways to game the system. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like, you know, uh, it's going to be that way for a while. Uh, from the 909, Joel Klatt did not like Mule Shoes recruiting class. Of the top 24 players in California, Mule Shoe got three. No defensive help. Mule Shoe gonna Mule Shoe. <laughs> he also said, I thought everyone had unlimited data. I guess we have a data restriction on ours. Oh, really? So, You're I, not on the unlimited plan? I, I'm on, just stealing upgrade. No, it's Shay's call on that, so I just follow Shay. Shay, upgrade. Come on now. Okay. Trust me, Shay. I know you're listening. All right, I want to see Doc. If uh, see if that's Doc D. I think it might be Doc's text. This show is always amusing because I have flashbacks to listening to Steely prior to the onset of senility moments <laughs> when I was in high school. Man, I'm just hoping they don't get worse. I'm just trying, man, every day to come in here and do a good, entertaining show. I I got to tell you, things once you approach sixty, and I'll be sixty in August, get a little more difficult. A lot of things. Some things I can't mention, but I'm just saying. You know what I'm saying? Somebody Hopefully the, you do know what I'm saying. Somebody in the 580 texted in, stop making excuses for OU basketball. Listen, there's a difference between making excuses and offering explanations. I mean, what are what are the excuses we've been making? They're, they're not they're, as talented. Yeah, look, I mean, we've got to recruit better. And right? again, those are all explanations. They are not excuses. There are no excuses to be made. Oklahoma's a mediocre basketball team. It is what it is. They're probably not going to make the NCAA tournament. Now, if I say it's too early to have the conversation about moving on from Porter Moser, that's not me trying to make excuses for Porter Moser. That's just me laying out and trying to establish some sense of rationality in the matter because a year and a half in one recruiting class at Oklahoma under his belt is way too early to regard Porter Moser as a disappointment or regard him as not fit for the Oklahoma job. Cause there are plenty of plenty of people that believe, and I think there's a lot of credence to the notion that Porter's going to get this thing turned around, but it's going to take time. Lon Kruger left him with four scholarship players, and that's not Lon's fault. That's just the way the roster happened to turn over. Wonder how Lon's doing out in Vegas and that. Uh, I hope he's doing well. A, Lon Kruger, one of the nicest guys and a heck of a basketball coach. What a class individual. Maybe the maybe the nicest guy on the planet. I don't know if there is a nicer human being than Lon Kruger. That guy, amazing. Amazing. And like I said, heck of a basketball coach, and you won't find a classier guy than Lon Kruger. Beating TCU on Friday, says this listener in the 512, will give us an extra day's rest for the Big 12 championship game the next week. That's how you're supposed to think right there. there. That is how you are supposed to think, 512. Follow 512's lead. He's not complaining. I don't know, you know, um, if that game will stay on a Friday. Maybe it will. Maybe they'll move it. Who knows? Uh, We don't know what TCU's really going to be all about. uh, Clearly, you know. Last year, one of those uh, years where they caught lightning in a bottle. And I'm not saying they're not going to be a challenge. I think they will be, but uh, we shall see. That's going to be an interesting finish to the season in Provo and then back home against TCU to close out the regular season. Okay, want to thank 
the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. Appreciate them very much for sponsoring hour number two. Want to thank every one of you for always doing a great job in the Air Coverage Solutions text line at 405-651-3439. And want to thank our friends at Riverwind Casino. Get out there, play with your wild card, participate in the Love to Getaway promotion, win one of those travel vouchers or a bunch of cash and bonus play. Have a great rest of your day. We'll see you.